Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah, You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, a series of conversations from Oakland, California, one of the hidden gem cities of California. I'll talk history with Liam Donahue, who knows everything about the East Bay, then the great and often untold stories about the art scene in Oakland, especially the Oakland Museum, with Executive Director Lori Fogarty. And then we'll talk about the iconic children's experiences at Oakland's Children's Fairyland, all great surprises with Kimberly Miller. First up, a deeper immersion into Oakland with Liam Donahue. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Liam O'Donoghue, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, you heard my introduction. I mean, not too far from the truth, right? Well, I think there's absolutely elements of that 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 ring true. I think Oakland has historically been overshadowed by San Francisco, of course, much more famous, more cosmopolitan. But um, a lot of people who live in the Bay Area 
recognize that there's a lot of benefits to being on this side of the bay. For one, it's usually about 10 degrees warmer and not quite as foggy, so you get to enjoy you know, uh, the beautiful views now that we you've, get. Now you've revealed my secret uh, travel hack. I always like to fly to the Oakland airport because it's not closed. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. San Francisco in the morning, that runway is fogged in. You All can't the time. get in there yep. and just get to Oakland and it's open. It's wide open. Now, I would, I used to work in the city and take BART back and uh, BART is the uh, mass transit Bay Area Rapid here, Transit. Bay Area Rapid Transit, the trains. And I would get off at the West Oakland station. I would look directly across the bay and sometimes you couldn't even see the San Francisco skyline. It was so socked in with that that cold gray fog. So we don't get as much of that over here on what we call the sunny side of the bay. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of of, of Oakland history, it was lost for a while. You know, people just didn't really pay attention. Well, I think that there was, uh, you know, certain elements of Oakland history that that most people probably are at least passingly familiar with. People have probably heard of, you know, the Oakland Raiders, the Golden State Warriors, the Oakland A's who have all won so many championships here over the years. Um, But also things like the Black Panther Party, um, which, you know, a lot of people I think are getting more familiar with now in the wake of the, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, that was started right here in, in yes, Oakland. It, it, it got popularized in Chicago, but it really started here. Absolutely. Uh, Bobby Seale and Huey Newton, the co-founders, started that's here in right. 1966. I remember the Chicago 7, so they, they, that's Absolutely. where they were. Right. Yeah. There's still a statue out here somewhere to Eldridge Cleaver, right? Um, there are uh, actually a few murals that have recently gone up of uh, yeah. Huey Newton. And, and also there's a, a new house that's been converted into a museum uh, that's specifically geared towards honoring the, uh, the women of the Black Panther Party who are often overshadowed by uh, you know, those iconic pictures of Huey and Eldridge and those guys with the, the black jackets and the guns. But it was a lot of women running the breakfast programs in the schools. Angela and, Davis. And exactly. Uh, and, and people like that who didn't always get as much credit um, when they were, you know, during the 1960s, but I think now people are reassessing their legacy and seeing that they did a lot of important community work here. And that's just coming out, to, that's really coming out now. Absolutely. Um, in fact, there was just an Angela Davis exhibit at the Oakland Museum recently. Every time I pass what used to be the Howard Johnsons on 8th Avenue and around the 40s, uh-huh. I know that hotel very well because that's where they arrested her. Wow. That, back in New York, that's a, she was on the run for a while. Right. And, they, and that's where they finally found her, holed up in a room at the Howard Johnson's in, on the west side of New York. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But it all started here. Absolutely. It did. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot of uh, things that um, have started here that people might not be aware of the, the, the East Bay origins of. Uh, some things that are actually really... Um, you know, un, un, have unusual connections, like you, like the Mai Tai cocktail, for example. You think of that as something you might get in Hawaii or in, you know, some tropical Pacific island, but it was actually started by uh, a restaurateur named Trader Vic, who uh, we you know, know Trader came up Vic. with that concoction, and now oh, yeah. Trader Vic's is still around right there at the Emeryville Marina, and people and, go and there and get the way, those strong Mai Tais to this I day. I believe it's the last Trader Vic's left, because wow. all the other Trader Vic's, the one in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Hilton and the London Hilton, they're all gone. Wow. I, I, I learned an important lesson having a drink at Trader Vic's. And that, <laughs> it's called designated driver. Yeah. Those drinks were lethal. One Mai Tai. One, we'll oh, get, we'll over. O-V-E-R, yeah. call a cab. <laughs> call a cab, that was it. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. also what? Rocky Road ice cream. And, Rocky oh. Road ice cream, exactly. There's, there's two different uh, people that take credit for that. Uh, the founders of the Dryers ice cream family. 
uh, Fortune and the uh, Fenton's, which is a local. Oh, Fenton's right on Piedmont. Creamery, right on Piedmont. Yeah, exactly. the Fenton's is a, is an institution in Oakland. Um, I, you need to come with your own bed so you can take a nap right after. Yeah, I mean the portions are not exactly small. You know, uh, people might know a little bit about Fenton's because this is one of those places where. Uh, Pixar, you know, the famous uh, animation studio is yeah. headquartered right here in Emeryville, just next to Oakland. And a lot of the time they'll put little Easter eggs in their movies. But I have to give you the <laughs> caution. When you walk in there, I mean, literally, the portions are so humongous that, yeah. I mean, you literally, it's it's sort of like, why, why wait? Just check into the hospital. Yeah, it's like a trough of ice cream. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the strawberry, uh, excuse me, the, the banana split. Let me tell you what's in the banana split. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, okay no bullet in here. Bananas, right? <laughs> Pineapple, strawberry ice cream, vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream, fudge, chocolate sauce, whipped cream, the cherry, and it weighs six pounds, and you're looking at it going, really? And then about an hour later, you go, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. And that's just one. They have another one there, the the, the black and uh, there's, there's one of their, their Sundays. I mean, they have huge Sundays that have been around for over 120 years. Wow. And you know, one of my favorite places to go for a walk in Oakland is just up the hill from Fenton's. So once you get all that sugar coursing through <laughs> your veins, if you need to burn a few calories, you can uh, just walk a few blocks up towards Mountain View Cemetery. And people think, you know, cemetery, that sounds a little grim, but this is actually laid out in a beautiful um, kind of flowing pattern. It's almost evocative of, uh, you know, Golden Gate Park or something like that. And you get these views of the entire bay. And uh, it's a great place to watch the sunset. Now, now, the other hidden gem here in Oakland for me is the zoo. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, most Americans on a local level probably know their zoo. But people who are visiting Oakland, who are tourists, if you will, they have no clue. They don't right. come. No, it's locals who go to the zoo. But if you go to the zoo, you have a whole completely different experience. I mean, and, and they do so, many, so, so much great work with endangered species. They have a partnership with PETA. They're working with with with, uh, with rehabilitating animals in the wild. They bring in and, and nurse back to life. And it's an interactive experience. The people at the zoo even rescue baby birds that fall out of the trees in downtown Oakland. They have something called the Heron Rescue. Squad. Come on. And the night heron is actually the official bird of Oakland, California. And I'm such a big fan of this bird. I actually got a night heron tattoo oh. on my arm. Your <laughs> listeners can't see this, but I've got a big, colorful night heron to uh, honor my favorite bird and uh, the official bird of Oakland, California. Well, here's the surprise about the Oakland Zoo. It's a 100-acre facility inside a 500-acre park in the middle of Oakland, and nobody knows. Well, it's actually kind of on the edge of Oakland. It's yeah. on the eastern edge, and I think that's yeah. maybe why not as many people know about it, because it's, it's a little bit off the beaten path. It's not, you know, right next to Lake Merritt or their museum or downtown or some of these other well-known locations but you're totally right Peter once you get out there so much to see they just did a big renovation a couple years ago and uh, in the winter when they do the light festival always sells out well I was over there if truth be told not too long ago and uh, I got a chance to feed the giraffes nice now that was serious because you got to climb up to them right they don't stoop down you go up and I've never seen tongues that long I was going to say, yeah. Unreal. Yeah, it's and it's all muscle. And if you don't feed them right away, you could get <laughs> headbutted. So you have to be very nice to the giraffes. Beautiful creatures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've been here how many, over 20 years now, About 20 right? years now, yeah. All right, so what's the biggest surprise that still resonates for you about Oakland? Uh, the biggest surprise, um, you know, I'm surprised almost every time I step out of the house because... People here are just great storytellers. That's the reason why I started my radio show, my podcast about Oakland history. Because every time I would go out, I'd meet, you know, an elder or someone in the community. And they would start talking about, oh, you should have, you know, Oakland in the 70s or the 80s. It used to be like this. And, I mean, the stories that people told me were making my jaw drop. And I was like, I need to start recording this. I need to start sharing these stories. So that was my, uh, you know, impetus for, for becoming an oral historian. Well, speaking of that, what's the one that still resonates for you? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I've you know done over a hundred episodes, so it's hard to narrow it down. But um, there was a woman. There is a woman. She's still alive. Sugar Pie DeSanto. She's there's a, a name right there. There's a name right there. She is in her 80s now, but she was a famous blues singer in the 1950s and 60s. She toured with James Brown a couple times, and uh, she told me what it was like to play in these legendary blues clubs in West Oakland at the height of this era when it was, you know, these wild all-night parties. People like, you know, Aretha Franklin might even drop by. There's photos of Aretha performing on stage at some of these venues, and uh, this woman, Sugar Pie. These are after-hours places. After-hours places. This woman, Sugar Pie, the way she told these stories, she brought them to life. And even though she's 80, she was still fabulous. The jewelry, full uh, body leopard print outfit. Still. I mean, still, she's, she's got that swing. Absolutely. Well, maybe she, was the, maybe she was the reason for Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, that was a great song, too. Definitely. I know. But, uh, no, there's, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, there's the, the old blues, the generation, that generation of blues musicians, there's still some left. And when they play, you can understand why people were seeing so. And you can still find them. Why people are so still excited them. about them. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that, that tradition, but you have to keep it alive, though. That's very important. Yeah, because like you said, people forget about things, especially, you know, in our society. I think people have very short attention spans. Everyone's on to the next thing. But it's important to look back and see, you know, where we came from, the legacies of the uh, you know, the people that built the cities where we live. That's right. Or as the Jefferson Airplane said, we built this city on rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that was San Francisco. That was the other side of the bay. That's right. Yeah, That's definitely. right. But here it was blues. Blues, and then, uh, of course, you know, in the 80s, this was uh, where a lot of uh, hip-hop came from. Uh, Too Short, Hieroglyphics, you know, these iconic artists that were really uh, kind of on the cutting edge of rap in its early years. And they're still around, too. I just saw Too Short playing at the uh, Oakland Coliseum last year with Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and E-40, and it was sold out. Huge, fabulous performance. So, Amazing. Um, yeah. A lot oh, of music here. MC Hammer, another one. First rapper, to sell, touch 10, this. First touch rapper this. to sell 10 million albums from right here in Oakland, California. And where is he now? And he's still around. Really? Yeah, yeah. MC Hammer is still here. All right, as I said, can't touch this. Yeah, I believe he's an <laughs> entrepreneur now. I don't think he's, he's singing anymore. My thanks to Liam. Oakland is often forgotten as a cultural center. It's got a great music scene. And then there's the art scene, especially the Oakland Museum of California. Lori Fogarty explains. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Lori Fogarty, welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And, you know, it's it's one thing for the locals to know about where the zoo is and where, uh, you know, where the great ice cream parlor is or even, you know, or where the, where the museum is, but... You've got a lot to offer at this museum. 
We do. We are a really unique museum because we are a museum of art, history, and natural sciences. So and you're multidisciplinary. And multidisciplinary, yeah. All focused on California. So if you are coming to California and you want to learn about what this place is and what its history is and what its creative expression is and what its natural environment is, we are the place to come one-stop shopping. <laughs> I love the museum that describes itself as one-stop shopping. Well, we do have a store, but it really oh, is a place. Oh, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> but it, and everybody loves a great museum store, but we But we you're really, really you're really sort of like telling the story of California. You that's un- right. Right? That's right. The, t- the story of California and actually some of the untold stories or undertold stories of California as well. Some of the things people know about California you'll see featured, but you'll also explore things that people didn't know about California. Such as? Such as that we are a place uh, where many art forms have really been created and developed, like the F-64 School of Photography, Ansel Adams and Edward Weston, uh, like about the uh, Black Power Movement, um, the founding of the Black Panther Party is featured in our history gallery, and places well, that Well, street pe- art alone. Yeah, street art, um, all sorts of different art forms, creative disciplines, uh, and then the natural world in places that people know about, like Yosemite, but also pe- places people may not know much about in California, like the Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary. Tell me about it. Well, uh, the National Marine Sanctuaries are really important parts of California's offshore world, and people may think about the Monterey Bay um, National Marine Sanctuary. That's the famous one, but there's a National Marine Sanctuary off the coast of Point Reyes that has some of the most uh, prolific natural uh, underwater worlds that you could have possibly imagined that we feature in our Natural Sciences Gallery. You know, what's fascinating to me, and I didn't know it until I did the research, is that your museum, otherwise known as OMCA, right, the Oakland Museum of, right. of California, it only opened in 1969. Well, it opened in its current form in, in, our, in our current campus, which I will say is enormous. We have seven acres. We're on four city blocks. It's indoors and outdoors, beautiful gardens, as well as our gallery spaces. But the history of our collections date back over 100 years. So it really became the Oakland Museum of California when we were founded in 1969. But we have a long history dating back to the early part of the 20th century. And, and I'm, I'm sure you've got something on the gold rush. Oh, yes. We love the gold rush in terms of exploring the history and how it's impacted California. And again, a story that people know some about, but we really lift up stories of how the world rushed in, literally, how people came from all over the world to California for the gold rush. Now, here's the cool thing. Over two million items in your collection... Yeah, we, you know, sometimes in our history, we've been known as the Smithsonian of the West. So we have um, 2 million artifacts, artworks, photographs, objects, natural sciences, specimens, not all on view. What you could say is you could rotate the exhibit once a week and never run out. There is so much in our collection, so many aspects of of the stories we can tell. It's it's never ending, really. I'm I'm assuming that most people are surprised by the, by the, by the size of the museum. Yeah, we're one of the largest cultural institutions in the Bay Area. And uh, yeah, we have over 100,000 square feet of gallery space. So it's enormous. So you could spend the day with us. And you're also presenting, I would think, an unvarnished look at California history as well. Whether it was the the, you know, the, the Nisai or the Nisai in World War II, the Japanese who were interned, That's or right. the Black Power Movement. Or, right. right? We do. I mean, we've always been known as the Museum of the People and really a, a community space, a place where uh, you can see yourself and your own identity reflected and learn about other, other identities. And so it isn't just the great names and the famous people of California history. It's, it's California in all its complexity. Do you have a Frederick Remington in there? We do not have a Remington. Good, I'm coming. <laughs> 
I don't want to see another person on a, on a horse. No, we, we have great Western landscapes. We have beautiful views of Yosemite. We have incredible photography of California's natural landscape, but it's, it's not a Remington. When people come for the very first time, what's the one thing that they're not expecting? Other than the size. I think one is that, that, that it is an indoor and outdoor experience, that you can enjoy the natural environment when coming to a museum. And I think the other thing that they don't realize is how, I mean, we, we are the Museum of California, but we do really uplift the stories of Oakland. And I think, I think as your other guests have described, there are aspects to Oakland that people just don't know that they'll see in our galleries. Like. And, and that in many ways, where, where the nation goes, where California goes is where the nation goes, and where, California, where Oakland goes is where California goes. Interesting way to put it. Mm-hmm. California still leads the way. California leads the way, and Oakland is the spearhead. I think California leads the way in terms of innovation, but it also leads the way in terms of experimentation. That's and, right. And so you, if you're looking at an art movement, it, chances are it could have started here. That's right. There have been many groundbreaking art movements that have begun in California, and it's always been the place where people who are willing to break the rules, take risks, experiment, have come. We're on the edge of the continent, and and that's what we showcase. Do you have a special exhibit called Breaking the Rules? Ah, you're giving me a great idea. I think you should. I think so, too. Yeah. No, our our current major exhibition, and I should say we do temporary exhibitions as well as having our, our core collection galleries, is called Into the Brightness which is an exhibition uh, of, of the artists from three uh, studios here in the Bay Area that uh, really showcase and, and cultivate a community of disabled artists, uh, creative growth, creativity, explored, and NIAD. So if you come to us in the next few months, that is another aspect of what you'll see at the museum. And I know this is radio, but paint the picture for me if you can. How are they expressing their art there? So these are artists working in every kind of media, from from drawing and painting to fashion to media. And it is a community of artists who, that believe that art is a human right, that everybody has creativity and everybody can celebrate that creativity. And what you would come to see is an actual explosion of joy, of creativity, of self-expression. It's the most number of, of individual artworks we've ever had in an exhibition, over 500 individual artworks by, by dozens of artists from these studios. I mean, it's, it's easy to say on one level that art is storytelling, but it's also protest. Art is protest. Art is healing. Art is... Uh, art is is so critical to the human condition, and that's what our galleries show and certainly what these artists show in Into the Brightness. And with every pun intended, it's accessible. It is. It is. Uh, these are artists who many people would see as having disability or having limitations, and they show that uh, there's enormous potential and enormous uh, opportunity in art that these artists are fulfilling. And working in every medium. In every medium. I mean, and, and such... Um, such joy and such community that is reflected as well. What's your biggest piece? Well, in our collection, we have cars. We have a jail. We have a jail? We have a jail that came down from the gold rush. Um, We have a, in our history gallery, we have a steam Fire, a fire steam pumper that was used, that was sent from Oakland to San Francisco in the, the 1906 fire. earthquake to help put out the fires. Oh my so we have really, really big things and really, really small things in our history gallery. My thanks to Lori. It's always amazing to me when I ask folks who grew up in San Francisco or in Oakland, what about their childhood that they remember the most or the best? And the answer always surprises me children's fairyland in Oakland. 
even Walt Disney was affected by his visit there. Executive Director Kimberly Miller knows why. Kimberly Miller, tell me about this place. Children's Fairyland is a magical place. It's it was established in 1950 by the City of Oakland Park and Rec Department. So part actually. of the Parks Department. Yes, um, by some very um, you know adventurous men, um, also um, associated with the Lake Merritt Breakfast Club, which is was at the time a local breakfast club for men. Um, That's were, how everything was for yeah, men. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> um, but they were very interested in uh, establishing a park that was based in whimsy and rooted in dreams, the point of view of the child, yeah. not the adult. That was really what it was about. And the catchphrase at the time and to this day is a surprise around every corner and no straight lines. <laughs> and that is exactly what the 10 acres is built on. So there's no just one way through the park. It's very meandering and winding and, and quite whimsical. So how would you, it's not a museum, it's not a zoo, it's not a theme park. What is it? Oh, it's all of those things, right? So we have small animals um, that we, it's not a petting zoo, but it's a small zoo, um, small farm type animals. We have exhibits and what we call sets, which depict story scenes from childhood stories, mostly Northern European stories right now, um, that kids can clamber upon and climb on. We have four small rides made for the littlest of little people, plus a nice train um, that takes the big people to. And you also have performances. And we have performances, and we have the longest, oldest running story storybook puppet theater in the country. I was going to talk about that because where else it's can you one go of the homes puppets? Of, yeah, Come it's on. one of the homes of puppetry for sure. All right, I'm really dating myself, and I'll, I'll date myself way before you. I grew up watching Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. Oh, yeah. You, you actually remember that? No, but because I'm so steeped in, <laughs> in puppetry now. <laughs> that was the very first show I saw on television mm-hmm. before before Howdy Doody. It mm-hmm. was Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, mm-hmm. and it was puppets. Yeah. yeah. Puppetry is an amazing art form that we feel is sort of dying right now. And so Fairyland is making its, its business to make sure that we are... Steeped in the history of puppetry, also making sure that we're doing puppet shows that aren't only kind of classic, which is what the park is known for, but we really move beyond the classics and uh, add sort of some modern puppet shows based on modern stories and modern authors um, to meet meet parents where they are. Um, You know, we're doing Hansel and Gretel or Country Mouse or... um, uh, Billy Goat's Gruff, those kinds of stories. And we we currently work with very cool authors that are writing books of today. And we really want to make sure to select some of those to not only be in our puppet shows, to make puppet shows out of, but also in our children's theater, as well as in our performances on our smaller stages. And are you teaching the kids about puppetry as well? Yes, we're doing puppet ed- education as well. So we're going to start doing that. Um, we're already doing that a little bit with some of the children because we know puppetry is a way to help children express themselves, um, get in touch with their feelings, um, and interact with others. So not only is it a form of entertainment and art, but it also is rooted in education. Any marionettes running around? Oh, yeah. Puppetry is about marionettes and hand puppets and rod puppets. So all forms And of sock puppets. Yeah, sock <laughs> puppets too. That's for sure. So uh, listen, if you can manage the art of marionettes, you got half the battle. Oh, yes. I mean, our puppeteer has been associated with Fairyland since he was four. 
And he is... Let me guess, are you doing Pinocchio? He's pr- pr- probably 68 right now. And he has done everything in the park. Have you done Pinocchio yet? Uh, as a puppet show? Yeah. Not since I've been there. Okay. That's a cool one. Yeah. That's a cool one. That's a cool one. All right. Stupid question. We know it's for the kids. What about the adults? Sure. Fairyland does not forget about the adults. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it is well, one if the kids are happy, they might just bring their parents. That's right. So the park has a rule. No kid without an adult and no adult without a kid. But at night, we like to bring in the adults only for uh, a little bit of what, adult X, fun. X-rated puppet shows? No X-rated anything, but we do like to have adult-type fun. That's because it's mystery. The park is a little bit mysterious because if you don't have any children, which there's plenty of us out there who don't, uh, it's the, the park becomes a mystery. If you went there as a child and you don't have children yet and you want to go back and relive some of your history, you can't get into the park. So we like to invite adults in a few times a year at night. Is there wine available? There's wine. I knew that was coming. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And music usually, and yeah, maybe an adult puppet show. No X-rated, but adult Um, adult. In my uh, case, it would be a deranged puppet show. Yeah, adult humor. (laughs) And how do you sustain yourselves financially? Yeah, so Fairyland. Are you still part of a park? We're we're Fairyland is situated in a larger park. um, in Oakland, uh, nestled right in the middle of the city on a lake called Lake Merritt. We know Lake Merritt. Yes. And um, we are a 501c3. So Fairyland is a nonprofit organization. And we have lots of things that help sustain us. General admission, of course, membership, contributed revenue. So we like to engage our, our constituents with through donations in different, in different ways. Well, since you are a 5013c, give us your website. Fairyland.org. That's pretty easy. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really all about storytelling, isn't it? That's right. We want everyone to be able to feel like when they hear a story at the park, it empowers them to tell their own. I would think that for people coming to Oakland, they won't, for visitors, they don't even know you guys exist. Right. But we try to partner with folks like Visit Oakland and other institutions that helps, you know, shout from the rooftops about us. I don't know if you did know this little story about Walt Disney, this guy named Walt, who came to the park in 1950, five years before Disneyland was built, and is was was inspired in part by his visit to Fairyland and the whimsy that he found there to make Disneyland. So, so basically we're a little just, bit a famous. Hold on, hold we're on. a what, little bit famous. So what you're saying is Walt Disney ripped you off. Mm, I will never say that. <laughs> <laughs> the mouse is in the house. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, uh, everything's derivative at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's right. We learn from everything we Is there do. a ride at Disneyland that, that, that essentially had its roots here? No. 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 No, I think the, the the essence and zeitgeist of what you see at Disneyland, so the experience at the child's level and the, the mystery and wonder and dreamlike um, nature of storytelling, that we coexist together in that space. Well, let's talk about it from the child's perspective. When, in your experience, when kids come, what's the first thing that surprises them? Um, when kids come through the gate, the first thing they do is run. So the three-year-old child runs because the, the space is so welcoming to little people. And I think they get stuck in our upper plaza. Um, we have a giant mushroom statue with a little guy called Oswald sitting on top of him with a pipe, and he blows bubbles all <laughs> through the park, and they waft all through the park, and many children spend much of their time chasing those bubbles. I love it. My thanks to Kimberly. 
to Lori Fogarty and to Liam Donahue. And my thanks to you for listening to the special Ion Travel podcast from Oakland, California. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, you know what to do. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.